I hope everybody's having a fantastic morning, noon, or night, wherever you are in the world, whatever time you're deciding to tune into the Crypto 101 podcast, just know that you're in the right place because man, oh man, do we have an exciting jam-packed episode for you. The the co-founder and the CPO, Chief Product Officer of SWE Labs, we're joined by Adeniyi Abayodun. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's Mistin Labs, by the way. <laughs> Mistin Labs. What did I say? You said SWE Labs. Oh, That's my God. Name. I like that name, uh, too. Mistin Labs. Uh, Mistin Labs, incredible stuff. Uh, and, and SWE has gotten a lot of buzz. Um, and, and we want to get a little bit uh, of Intel, what's going on over there at Mistin Labs, uh, building the SWE network. Um, but before we do that, can we just dive in a little bit uh, to your your background and, and kind of how you came up here in the crypto world? Sure thing. Um, my name is Adni Abiodun. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Mistin Labs. I'm the chief product officer. Um, I started off my career as a software engineer, building um, remote oil well systems for monitoring um, pressure of pipes and things like that. Very interesting job um, as I got to work with hardware and software. Then quickly I went into banking to start building trading systems and trading engines, including risk management systems for some of the world's biggest banks and the hedge funds. Um, in 2011, I found out about a technology called Bitcoin. I initially thought Bitcoin was a bit of a scam. Then I dug into the code and I was enamored. Um, I, I, was, I became hooked on it very quickly, just on the idea of what decentralization and the tech could do. Mm -hmm. Then I built a Bitcoin mining rig myself. Then very quickly... Um, my friends wanted in on the action. They wanted some help to mine because right then it was very difficult to do. So I started putting servers into um, colos and uh, renting them out to people. And I built a very large miner. We, we're mining at least 10% of the Bitcoins um, in circulation. We're mining, we're like 10% of the hash rate back then when wow. I built the company. Um, came over to the Bay Area. I started up a new company um, that was a big data company. It's still around today. Um, then I went over to Oracle and VMware to launch blockchain um, enterprise products for them. Um, didn't really like the enterprise blockchain space much. I got out of that. Um, and I, I had the opportunity to go to Meta to lead the work they're doing there on the R&D side, on the product side, on, on what we're doing on Diem and Libra, which was called back then. It was very exciting. Um, so my team was responsible for building Libra, um, inventing the algorithms, inventing the move programming language, Sam Blackshear, our CTO, is the inventor of the move programming language. Um, Evan was the head of um, the R&D um, of the entire project at Libra that built Libra, that invented all the um, cool stuff that became the project that, as we know today. Of course, that never launched, as we all know. And uh, we had the opportunity, while Libra is already done in um, um, about 2018, 2019, we're already working what version 2.0 of Libra is going to be. And that we had to realize our dream outside of Meta. And we're able to do, with the, with the handcuffs off, we are able to um, do some things a lot more exciting than we would have been able to do inside internally at Meta. So that's a background. That's an amazing background. And it makes a lot of sense now that you're free, you can you know, do as you please, and there's not so many regulatory eyeballs on every last little step you take. Uh, you mentioned something called the move language. And the average listener, you know, they can't keep up with all the different coding languages. Hell, most developers can't. But is Move an incremental step up from maybe JavaScript or C++, which are like the two standard languages? Or is it like a revolution in what it can do? Yeah, I mean... How should we think of this? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd even say, go back to the previous point, that it wasn't even a case of regulatory. It's more of a case of now we're able to actually optimize for scale. Because at Meta, we were not really encouraged to go full on to really build something that would tackle the problem for billions of people because of time constraints and pressure. Mm. Now we were able to take from a broad view, okay, what do people need? What developers want? What are the gaps in the ecosystem? And we took it from a product perspective and, and really started building it from scratch, which is why we did not launch with Libra. That code is old. It's not scalable. It was not designed to do something at scale. We decided to do something from scratch. Now, if I had to compare Move to traditional programming languages, I didn't compare it to traditional um, um, smart contract languages. I'd probably say traditional smart contract languages are more like, to a large extent, assembly. And a move is the revolution of like an object-based system, object-oriented programming. So you're making a big leap. Traditional programming languages in smart contracts are really good at managing just balances. That's all they do, right? It manages, I have a balance of one, you have a balance of two. It's great at doing that. But um, SWE Move, which um, Sam um, reinvented, in addition to Move that he initially designed, um, is a massive step up in that because it now deals with assets, right? Everything is an asset. Everything is an object. You imagine I have a ball. That's an object. Imagine I have a car. It has multiple constructive pieces. It has a steering wheel. It has a, it has, it has a color. It has a, st- it has a windshield. It has a seat and the different types, right? You want to be able to construct these things dynamically. Programming languages in smart contracts do not allow you to do that. SWE actually gives you that primitive, uh, or SWE move gives you that primitive, which is a revolutionary change. It means things that you couldn't model on-chain before, assets you just couldn't imagine to build on-chain, or in fact, you had to build it off-chain because storage is just expensive. SWE, because of low cost and because the programming model is something that a traditional developer that who builds in JavaScript, who builds in Rust, who knows C-sharp, can come in and fill at home very, very quickly. So it sounds like one of the main um, value props of uh, of SWE is that you know it's kind of got this new coding language. I remember when Ethereum came out, um, they they touted Solidity, and this was this brand new programming language that was just the next best thing. And then we find out there's a huge surface for attack. Um, it's general purpose, and it's got all sorts of holes and bugs in it. Do you guys? Ever think about just the some of the unknown unknowns that come along with um, a new programming language that hasn't been as tested? Yeah, um, certainly. If you imagine the reason why Move was invented is at Meta, we took a look at a number of languages. These were traditional smart contract languages in addition to traditional programming languages, as, as, as it were. And the closest we found that was probably the best was Rust. Right, solidity just doesn't work. I can't. We can't go to regulate and say trust us. This smart contract will do exactly what we say it's going to do, and no user is going to lose their money. There's no way in hell would have gotten away with that. So we looked at Rust, and it was a language that had a lot of properties that we believed you needed, but it was lacking a lot of the elements that you need for ensuring you know uh, certain things around balances were managed, certain things around assets were were managed as a primitive and not have you to write boiler code. So we really adopted a lot of the. Um, a lot of benefits from Rust in inventing Move. So it's actually language that anyone that knows Rust can really come in and understand relatively quickly. And the great thing about Move as a whole is it's something you can build functional, verifiable proofs for, right? So if you want to if you want to prove that a small contract could only do X and Y, you can mathematically prove that with models built around it, which is something that cannot be said easily of Ethereum or other programming languages as a whole. If you want high assurance, especially if you're talking about financial applications, mm-hmm. then 
functional verification is something you're absolutely going to need. And it's an element we built in and move in day one. Wow. Yeah. That uh, sounds really cool. It's like almost like what Cardano would tout with their formal verification. Um, always the aerospace grade testing. Is that kind of a similar um, kind of similar mantra? Yeah, I, I don't know too much about Cardano and how the the model works, but I, I'd argue, you know, Move already is very prevalent in the ecosystem. There are at least four chains using this program model. There's something about it that works. Um, um, and, I, and I think in addition to that, we're already getting early signs that the learning gap for someone who's a traditional programmer to come to Move is very low. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassingly low, to be honest, right? So it's very easy. Like if we talk about the space of solidity developers, there are maybe, what, 10,000, 15,000 developers in the world, but they're like 9.5 million JavaScript developers. Our goal is to win those 9.5 million JavaScript developers into working in Web3. And we're touting Move to be the JavaScript of Web3, right? It's got the promise of that. It's got the elements of that you're going to want in terms of safety, easy expressiveness, ability to actually understand and read the code you're writing. Um, we've even done examples when you write a contract in, for example, Solana or EVM or, or Solidity, and you compare that with Move contract, the, it's much less code that you have to write. So if you have less code, it's easy to understand what it's doing. It's also subject to less bugs, right? It's easier to audit. So there's a ton of benefits you get from Move as a whole. Awesome. And I definitely want to dive into uh, some of more of the you know kind of benefits, um, the pros and the cons of a platform like SWE, but for, for those who are out there who are listening and might be new to this space, you know, what is SWE? Right? What, what's the point of making it? Why did uh, you kind of all branch off from Libra and Meta and, and kind of make this? And what were some of the maybe even drawbacks with enter enterprise-grade blockchain stuff that made you guys think, we need a public network? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, consortiums, we realize, just don't really work. <laughs> because okay. It's funny because the bootstrapping issue is a nightmare and people can't agree who should be the leader and the rules around engaging. It, it, all the reasons why you expect it not to work, they don't work, right? So that enterprise world, I do not see that lasting very, very long. I've, you've already seen a couple of companies shut down their blockchain projects, including IBM being one of them. Mm. I don't think that's only going to continue. VMware also the same. Um, I, I, we, so we, when, when we were at Meta, we, the goal was to build a public network that everybody can run, right? Over time, realizing you know the, the power that Facebook just has made it almost impossible to launch anything in a reasonable fashion or in a reasonable way. But also the design choices we made at the time were not akin to the point where we assumed millions or billions of people have access to the ledger. The idea was that 
there'll be a ledger and there'll be institutions running um, um, the blockchain or anyone can participate in consensus over time. But realistically, you interact with a bank like Coinbase, right? Or a bank directly to engage with a ledger, which they would take a collection of your transactions and do netting themselves and only submit maybe the gross amount directly on chain. It was not designed like uh, my argument or our argument has always been all major blockchains are built that way. They're not designed for interactions, direct user interaction directly on the chain because they just don't scale. It's a very difficult problem to solve. Um, now, with that design this choice in mind, when we left Meta, we had the opportunity to think, okay, well, what if Instagram wanted to build on a blockchain? What if, you know, any developer wanted to build on a blockchain, right? Do we expect them to set up like these random, you know, services that would uh, operate on their behalf on a, on a network? No. Like, how do we build a network where everyone can interact directly and it can scale? Just like today, if I need to go on a website like Google, I do not care whether there are 50 people on the website or 100 people on the website. Google take care of that in terms of scale, right? Just like if I'm building an app on AWS, it costs me a dollar a month to run the app. I don't get a bill for $50 the next month because you know the, the number of apps has gone up significantly and I need to pay to bid for more um, um, for the resource because it's a very finite resource. Cloud just works. In the background, Amazon has figured out a, a magnificent way to throw more servers in the back end, and I just pay exactly the same fee. Now, that behavior you want from a business, if you're building a game, if you're building an application, you want static fees, right? You want things that you know to be true from infrastructure scale to just happen. It should scale automatically. The price should not change for transaction. It should be actually fixed. I should have sufficient guarantees in terms of when I write an application, if it does X, it should always do X. It should not be something else, right? I should be able to verify that the application does work. And there are many mechanisms. I should be able to build assets onto it, and I should be able to store assets on chain without having to trust third parties. Because right now, NFT on Ethereum, it's a record of ownership, and then some file in IPFS somewhere, or even on Solana or Avalanche, right? It's simply not the asset on chain. It's nothing more than a record of ownership, and some asset is stored elsewhere. Who knows if it's guaranteed to be stored forever or not? So with that in mind, we, uh, it goes to the point where we took a product approach and looking at what do developers want? What are they crying out for? What would make it easier for them to build and actually build long-serving applications to mass consumers, right? Because it's not just DGENs. They need to be able to, for Web3 to take on the world, it needs to be able to tailor to the mass market. So when we did that, we threw out all the stuff we had done at Libra. The only thing we kept was really move. Move was the right idea, right? In terms of having a program language that has a functional verifiability, the benefits of Rust that exist. And we built um, new engines around consensus, around a data model. All these wonderful things we did around Move, uh, around SWE as a whole, is what SWE is. SWE is a decentralized blockchain that we believe is a first that's built for billions of users. SWE has a number of benefits that's amazing. Number one, SWE scales horizontally. So SWE does not have a maximum TPS. Just like Google doesn't have a maximum amount of apps, it just throws more servers. As long as we can keep making servers, you can scale Google's um, ability to handle more um, capacity as a whole. So SWE has the same benefits, right? You throw, uh, anytime the network gets busy, validators can turn on more machines to handle the load. And once that load is gone, you could turn off the machines and save money and process as though nothing ever happened. So that's something you have in dynamic scaling infrastructure. It's that Google, Facebook mechanism of scale that we bring to the table. Secondly, um, SWE has a fixed price for gas. 
So unlike other networks where the price of gas, depending on the price of a token or depending on how many people are hammering a smart contract, uh, the network at any given time, skyrockets, right, or goes down, right? It's a behavior that's weird for any user. Sorry, you can't submit your transactions today. Wait till next week when DGNs have stopped minting NFTs. That's not a use yeah, case, crazy. right? In SWE, the fee is constant, right? So there's a, there's a mechanism built where validators submit prices that want to charge for gas. All in all, I don't want to go into the technical um, mechanisms. We want to keep it as high level as possible. But all in all, it's designed in a way where the gas price stays constant dollar-wise. And it's because the cost of the operator, the cost of machines are actually fixed cost dollar-wise as well, right? Depending on the, what you're spending on, cost, on bandwidth and everything else, it's a fixed cost. And the network as a whole, depending on scale, actually has a fixed price for, for gas. So it means you can build an app today, it costs a dollar to engage, today it costs a cent to engage with. Next year, it will also cost a cent to engage with, basically. So you can have an idea that your apps will always be around to, for the long term. Separately, it's a, it's got an object model, which means if you're an object-oriented programmer, which most of the world is, come on, right? <laughs> you can build on SWE. So the idea of objects, the idea that I can create an object, I can delete an object, I can mutate an object, I can store an object on chain, I can store the JPEGs on chain, I mean, for God's sake, that's like a basic thing you'd expect, right? If I'm selling you an asset, I should store the asset on chain also. SWE gives you that benefit also. So, and also the fact that, you know, the fact that, you know, um, we don't have this issue of, um, of having to go through consensus for basic transactions. Most blockchains are slow because everything they assume it needs to be ordered. So if I send you $5, and someone else is sending you $20. These are two different transactions. They've got nothing to do with each other, right? Two different people sending each other money. They have nothing to do with each other. Most blockchains, if not all of them, convolute them as assuming that every time I have to make an update, we need to lock the entire database so I can make that update, which means they're going to be slow. Every update we need to write, I need to lock the entire database before I can make the update, which means there's always going to be a queue or a long line to make updates to a blockchain. SWE doesn't have that problem. Because of the object model, I know this object is different from the other. Hence, I don't need to order this in respect to that, right? They can happen in parallel. So the more CPUs I have, the more machines I have, the more things I can do in parallel, which means I can scale infinitely. It's the same way that Google, Microsoft, Facebook build infrastructure. They build it to be very low contention so you can deal with way more users and, um, and, and scale um, um, forever and ever. And that's, that's what makes SWE very special. It's not one thing. It's really a, a combination of many things that we've taken from a product perspective to build as infrastructure to make it amenable to the world. That is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, for someone who studies L1s all day, I've never really heard anything like that. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And when you put it you know, like, like that out there, you know, all the things it can do, it makes us wonder why did we ever think all this other stuff was so great? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, you know, it's just an evolution of things. And this is, is going to be like a, a 4.0 blockchain. Uh, we skipped past 3.0 really, really fast. And it's just amazing how how much um, speed that this industry innovates at. It's really difficult to keep up. So let's say I'm a developer and I've got my apps on Ethereum right now. And maybe I was looking into Solana or Cardano or Tezos or something. I said, I don't know. I, but I definitely don't want my users to pay, you know, $400 gas fees in the next bull run. How do I take my app and move it over to the SWE network where life just seems to be better? I mean, there are a number of ways, right? Number one, 
the key thing is there's bridging ability. So as a step one, if it's a token, you can absolutely bridge that token over to Sweet and benefit from lower gas fees immediately. That's the first step. But we all know bridging is an expense to a large extent, right? Like to bridge assets, to do it in bulk is way cheaper than doing it singularly. So you might want to bridge all the assets from your user base over to Sweet right away and benefit from lower gas. Then in, after time, you can start building additional functionality to your token because bog standard ERC is very limited in what it can do. But now you've merged over to Sweet, you can start adding different benefits and um more functionality to that token to build more utility for your holders of your token or more functionalities for actual users. Now, that's a, that's what you can do. You can start with a bridge. They could start adding value. Or you can just decide to say, I'm going to do a full-blown rewrite and just start from day one, right? If you don't have an existing app, you're just starting from scratch and you just want to build, for, you want to take your contract from Ethereum. What you'll find is if you wanted to build it on SWE, you have way less code to write, way less code to write, to write a... Uh, a coin in SWE is less than four or five lines of code. To write a marketplace on SWE that directly settles on chain is something like 400 lines of code, right? The, the amount of code or, or or boiler code that you have to write in Ethereum just to get the basics um, to work is very, very high. The bar of entry is high, whereas SWE, the bar of entry is very low from a developer point of view. Um, not only do you benefit from the cost, right? It's lower cost, but I think cost is one thing because people would always argue low cost. Either they reduce it by giving you stake subsidies, right, as a way to ignore the fact that it's expensive blockchain, right? But what we know is people get care about longevity. Like, what happens when a stake subsidies run out? Can this thing run forever? So beyond just the cost, you have a tokenomics model in SWE that's built in a way whereby validators make money by ensuring that they quote the price of, of gas closer to their cost as possible. So there's a race to the bottom on gas validators to ensure that the incentives align. They're always going to make sure that they're paying above their costs, but also everyone's encouraged to quote the right price so that, you know, no one gets robbed from a, from a gas fee perspective. Also the mechanisms you have on SWE to add the actual attributes on chain. So if you want to add all the history on the NFT, if you want to add, you know, the color, or you want to add all these wonderful features of the NFT, you can do that directly on chain, which means everyone can build from it. Now, imagine an ETH, if I write an NFT and then the attributes are off chain, how do I, where's the composability? If I want to write a smart contract that accesses those attributes, it's not possible because those attributes are not even on chain. Now in SWE, you've got real, what we say is real dynamic composability on chain. I can build an asset with all these rich features. Someone else can build on top of that an asset, taking advantage of all the wonderful attributes that are richly available on chain, which means now for the first time, devs can really share code a lot more easily, actually start to con contribute to each other's ecosystem a lot more freely to a large extent. So I think there's a benefit of lower cost, the benefit of like composability, there's a benefit of having like this long-term element in your mind to think, okay, this network is here for long-term. It's not going to be just a short-term gas subsidies that I get. It's actually built in a world. We actually have a ton of um, projects that are migrating from other chains. And the reason why they're doing that is they've looked at our gas price mechanism and they feel like this is something that would last long-term. And that's the decision developers are going to start making, we believe as well. Yeah, I guess one of the questions I had is, you know, kind of surrounding exchange integrations and, you know, ecosystems. Um, have you felt like SWE's been generally pretty well accepted by... Um, by the overall crypto economy, are exchanges and wallets like eager to integrate? Um, or has there been resistance because people don't want to kind of do the, the dev work in a bear market? I mean, it's been insane. I mean, SWE was available on a majority of exchanges on day one, apart from US exchanges, actually, right? Um, 
Sui was available on majority of exchanges in Asia very, very quickly. Binance, Bybit, OKX, KuCoin, you name it. It's available on mass majority. And I believe on day one, there were at least 10 wallets in the Sui ecosystem, which is unheard of, right, for, for a brand new chain. And there are more ex- wallet integrations happening on a day-by-day basis. You're going to hear some new wallets um, being integrated as well, some existing wallets in the ETH space announcing the integration into Sui directly as well. So it's actually been exciting. There's been a lot of interest in the ecosystem. It's very new. And of course, there's a cost in terms of doing an integration. But we think, you know, people are seeing it as an opportunity to integrate with something that's going to be a version 2.0 of what we expect the Web3 to be. I think that's what the promise actually is. And, you know, we, we believe that's, that's going to be an ongoing uh, trend. Can you talk a, a little bit about the promise of Web3, maybe just from a high level um, for, for some of our listeners out there who might not have, um, you know, the technical sort of um, wherewithal to, to grasp a lot of this, you know, what is the benefit of having decentralized networks and what does that mean for, for a user? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, you can um, sell it many different ways. And I think most people try to sell it as decentralization, 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 right? <laughs> At all costs, right? The reality is mass majority of users, right? I mean, we don't like hearing this. Don't care, right? What right. They want yeah, they just want to have a good application that works reliably. Exactly. They don't really want to get spied on. I think people are getting you know pissed yeah. off and all this stuff. It's like, I don't want, I, I don't want to pay high fees. Um, I want my app to be, I want my game to be more fun. I want my finance to be more free, right? I want to have access to more applications or more services than I were available to than they were available mm-hmm. to me today, right? So it's really a case of a consumer end benefit, which is why we build what we build, right? And and the reason you know we think Web three matters. Imagine a world where today you're buying airline tickets, right? You have those airline tickets. I've tried. I want to swap it over to another network. The fees are stupidly high, right? Or I buy a, a, a ticket and I want to sell it because I don't want to go anymore. How do I sell it? I have to go to some centralized website, put it on a site. I get robbed on fees. It's just, it's, there's just a lot of friction in terms of actual assets that are already digital to actually make it easy to exchange those assets that are already digital. Now, what a blockchain is or should be in, in our view is it's a layer, it's a layer for enabling you to, um, transfer assets of value in an interoperable way, right? So it's really nothing more than an interoperable layer for assets, uh, digital assets, right? That's what a blockchain should be. And example, why can't I just transfer my concert ticket to you, right? Right now, I get it in an email and it's got my name on it and I want to transfer it. I can't. Why? Right? Why can't I receive my coupons in my in a wallet and just spend it whenever I want? Why do I need to have some I, when I go to when I go to a store, they give me some stupid receipt that I have to hold, which I never do. I always throw it away. Like there are multiple ways for me to hold assets that are really digital and use them in an interoperable way. Like why don't we have that? And a blockchain is the goal of the blockchain is really to do that, mm-hmm. right? But the problem is it's always been expensive. I'm not going to mint a coupon for five dollars when it's only a twenty cent coupon, right. right? I'm not going to like instead of delivering a million coupons to people by email, why don't I deliver it to them via a blockchain directly in a way that's very easy for them to receive and also spend or transfer or, you know, use for, for whatever way they deem fit. And I think what you get with a blockchain is an agree layer that everybody uses. That's inter- that gives you interoperability, right? Because everybody's agreed on that layer. And we all use that for value exchange. And I think once the costs go down, argument we've always had is as long as gas fees are high, what you're really paying for is block space. 
right? You're not paying for an asset. You're paying for the fact that there's some expense of creating an asset, thereby you have high, you know, minting cost. Then you end up having high floors, which are artificially high because of the cost of infrastructure. We're not adding incremental value. But once we can bring the cost of gas low, so low that, you know, low um, low value assets can be traded, then we've actually solved the problem, right? Then everybody will listen. Um, a mechanism we've built in SWE is um, what we call ZK login. It's the ability that anybody on SWE, as far as we're concerned, has an account. As long as you have an email address on Google or you have a Facebook account, you have a Twitch account, those, those accounts use something called OpenID, right? OpenID is supported on SWE natively, which means if you have a Google account, a Facebook account, um, a Twitch account or whatever, any account that supports OpenID, you can directly create an account on SWE um, without as a as a, an account you own, right? That you, um, Google will not have an idea of the transactions you're doing, but you can create that with your Google your your Google session directly. That means anyone can email you an asset directly on SWE, and you have privacy. You can receive that asset without even creating a wallet. Now that's how you really hit the masses. Imagine you take an email list, you email them um, tokens, or you email them a coupon, you email them some asset for engagement. They can take that asset, they own it directly, and they can start engaging with it without. One, thinking about uh, a wallet, or two, paying gas, right? So these are the things that make Web3 Web2, in a sense, right? Like, it's not Web2 versus Web3. It's Web2 augmenting the experience for consumers via Web3. And I think as soon as we stop talking about the blockchain or the underlying infrastructure, that's when we've won, right? If we're talking about Matic versus this versus that, like, we're still, you know, I go to a website today, I don't care if it's Google, I don't care if it's AWS, I'm just using the website. And I think we have to get to that point with infrastructure where it's so dumb easy to use that it's it, it's a no-brainer that it's the best way for me to own this asset and to transfer this asset than some other convoluted Web2 way. I think that, that's the real goal. And that's where I think everyone wants to get to in the long term. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you've got an amazing product out there. What's the next step to building the ecosystem around it? What are some of the mechanisms in place to bring awareness and education to this incredible thing that you've created? Sure. Um, as you know, SWE has been live since May 3rd. So it's been around for almost, two, I think, two months today. Is today the 3rd? Two months today. Yeah, it's a birthday. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we already have close to a million um, active wallets on SWE in short space of time. Um, something like 15 to 16 million transactions. I think it's quite, I think close to 20 million transactions. So we're already seeing the ramp up of the network and ecosystem. The focus for SWE are three pillars. It's gaming, commerce, and finance. Um, gaming, because we think users in gaming are already amenable to the idea of digital asset ownership. And it's probably the best UX Web3 that anyone's ever seen. So we, we already have some of the largest game studios in Asia building on SWE. So we think we can acquire a ton of users in that space. Finance, you're going to see DeepBook, which is a central limit order book built. That's a crankless club, which means there's no central controller of a club um, where anyone can come in and trade. And actually, it's an infrastructure that every DeFi project can build on. That's that's going to be live very shortly. And market makers are going to be market making directly on there. We expect there to be significant volume on Sweet from that perspective because of the low cost and um, and the other benefits that Sweet offers. And and separately, commerce, everything I talked to you about in regards to token, um, tokens, coupons, rewards, that's an area we think is actually ripe for disrupt, um, disruption. And we're going to work with some major partners in that area. So SWE is very early, right? It's a very early ecosystem. We believe we're building something amazing, but we believe you also need to bake in time. 
let the community get aware of how to build in SWE Move. Let them get aware of the benefits the SWE ecosystem actually offers. We recently um, did an airdrop of 380,000 um, NFTs to the early members of the SWE community. This NFT is a dynamic NFT. So you can put clothes on it. You can, you can put a new kit on it. You can actually dynamically change out NFT on chain. It's all on chain, very low cost. It gives them the benefit and introduction to what dynamic NFTs could be rather than just plain JPEGs. In addition, anyone with that NFT gets benefit of earning SWE in the ecosystem as a reward, right? Like we, we built like a loyalty program that we think other ecosystems will copy and other people will copy. Now it's an engagement tool in addition to something that could earn you rewards over time. And we can use that to drive people towards certain applications in the ecosystem. And, you know, to mint 380 NFTs costs us less than $2,000. 380,000 NFTs cost us less than $2,000. So wow. it's already a chain. I mean, to mint a million, we projected it to be something like $6,500. The number's actually gone down since then. So it's already the cheapest chain to mass mint assets. And these aren't assets are off-chain. All the information about the assets is actually on-chain as well. So we, we think it's really about building actual value. We're not here for the hype. We're here for actually building long-term value for our ecosystem and also rewarding the ecosystem participants that have helped us get to where we are as well. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's a great, it's a great you know, founding story and you know, early launch success. You guys have um definitely accrued a lot of um you know interest from from the space. And so um that's why you're here. You know, you guys have only launched just two months ago and you're already um, you know being talked about in pretty much every corner of the crypto ecosystem. So we had to hear for ourselves. And let me just tell you, like, we were not let down. This was awesome. Uh, we learned a ton. And there's just so much more that we can dive into. Um, but for now, uh, we want to just close with a, a few sign-off questions, um, just to get a little bit of your, you know, personal views of the space. And, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're actually just curious about, like, who inspires you? Um, out of any crypto builder or person in the ecosystem is there a person or maybe two people that have inspired you to do what you do and um, who you really look up to yeah i mean really much love the work that the ethereum foundation has done mm. um interesting i had an early opportunity to invest in ethereum and i passed dumbest decision i ever made <laughs> <laughs> lucky lucky but unlucky at the same time lucky and unlucky at the same time but no I, I love the work they've done even with the restrictions they've had they've made a good a go at what they're doing um, separately, Satoshi, that was the reason why I got into crypto in the first place. Mm. That was literally the reason. Like, I read that paper, I was blown away. It's a shame that, you know, we don't hear much from him anymore if he even exists. Like, if it's one or two or three people. Right. Um, but those are the, the, those, those members, the, the ideology they had behind the technology, one on a token or, or, or uh, element of, of money that doesn't have a central issuance, and then the infrastructure that can run um, uh, applications. Right. These were two wonderful primitives. I, I say we always say Bitcoin brought the idea of money. I can send money to each other peer to peer. Ethereum brought the idea of smart contracts. Um, smart contract and old asset, um, old money and uh, user can old money. And we're saying Swedes bring the idea of actual transferable assets, right? Actual mm -hmm. objects and things that people can actually program. It's about programmable assets next, right? It's the next iteration of that. So. We've definitely taken our um, inspiration, but from a number of people in the ecosystem, those are the two for me personally. I love it. And, you know, I, I guess one of the other questions I had is a, a general thing about the, the ecosystem or narratives that you might see unfolding next. You know, we I remember we heard liquidity mining, you know, all the time on the show. And then we heard 
um, you know, liquid staking all the time. And then, you know, sometimes we'll hear about the halvings that all keep coming up. Like, is there any new narrative that you might see unfolding maybe that SWE is a part of and going to be, you know, emboldening the world with? I think it's really next going to be about um, actual driving on-chain engagement. On-chain right? engagement. Yeah, because up until now, everything has been done <laughs> off-chain. Yeah. <laughs> right? The only things you can do on-chain is gamble, right? Like it's, it's only, you know, <laughs> what you want people to be able to do is to actually use these assets for something really valuable, right? And I think once you crack that, that's going to unlock a lot more people into the ecosystem. If you want to bring real retail to ecosystem where they have, they're not thinking about, just money, they're thinking about an, a, a, a user experience that's significantly improved. I think that's when you hit the nail on the head. And I, we think gaming is one way to do that, right? Because now I own the asset directly. I can exchange, I can take this asset and I can use that in a DEX. I can take this asset, I could do something else with it with another smart contract that was built after the fact. I didn't have to do it beforehand. It was done after the fact. That means I can extend the shelf life of the game as a result of decentralization. Um, I think that's going to be the narrative we think is going to is going to grow. I think in the previous narratives around liquidity mining, you know, um, liquid staking, it's I think it's an attempt on price. It's an attempt to like give people something on yield to get excited about. But we see these things come and they go. Right. What we want is user engagement. We learned this at Facebook at scale. If you want to bring a billion people onto a platform, give them something to engage with. And our goal will be to really give them something, new types of assets, new types of things that developers can build. By the way, devs aren't stupid. They've always wanted to build these things. It's just they've been really restricted on what they can do. So they always boil it down to the lowest common denominator. And I think now the next set of devs, especially the devs in the ecosystem already, already thinking what the next step will be for the next cycle, right? What can we do for, for, um, for users to give them a real great experience? I think that, uh, we can do that. Well, I think I can speak for our listeners that, we're all very excited and eager to get our hands on this. Where can we as non-developers go to start interacting with the ecosystem right now? Yeah, you can join the SWE community Discord. SWE actually has the largest Discord for deep, um, for Web3 as a whole. Wow. Um, it's about 750,000 members or something like that. So you can join the Discord and get participate in the active discussions there for non-devs. Our Twitter account always tweets out things that are Web 2 and Web 3. So we share a lot of information there. If you go to the SWE.io site, it provides a lot of non-tech information about, about SWE and about the, about the project as a whole uh, for you to learn as a non-dev. And of course, there's a, there's a dev portal directly there that you can go into learn. So SWE.io, or you can go directly to uh, the SWE Discord in addition to follow SWE, um, SWE at SWE Network on Twitter as well. All right. Uh, we loved having you. I just got one last question. Sui, what's the name mean? Where to come from? <laughs> yeah. So it's pronounced Sui, as in you're saying sweet. It actually means water. It's ancient Japanese for, for water. It's actually, that, that word is actually prevalent in Chinese and other languages too. But the reason why we chose that name is because it, it means boundless, without restriction. Mm. And when we were building Sui, we were, our goal was how do we build something without a bound, right? Without a limit. Right. Like the idea of max CPS is stupid. How do we fix that? The idea of like gas being something that's changing all the time. How do we fix that? The idea that users have to even think about gas is a problem. How do we fix that with sponsor transactions? Right. So it's about removing the boundaries or the bounds that were shackled to us by previous Web3 infra. And it's why we chose that name water. Be like water, basically. Love it. Well, Adi, this was an amazing time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we hope to have you back on again soon to talk about some more updates or big product launches or whatever you guys got going on. We want to be uh, early on to hear about it. 
It was an absolute honor and happy to come back any given time. Wonderful. For everybody listening at home, hope you guys enjoyed and you know, stay tuned. We got some more great guests coming up later this week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.